Hello and welcome to People in Profit. I'm Charles Pellegrin. Coming up in the show, checkpoints, occupation, and blocked financial flows. We'll speak to a Palestinian entrepreneur about the challenges of running a business in the West Bank. Keeping interest rates low, then pushing them up. We'll zero in on Turkey's tumultuous fight against skyrocketing inflation. Leaving the EU, abandoning the euro, restricting immigration. In Germany, the far right's ideas fuel fears among businesses. Well, Israel's offensive in Gaza following the October 7th attacks by Hamas is reverberating into the West Bank. While not directly involved in the conflict, the Palestinian territory's economy lies in tatters. The World Bank estimates that its GDP could fall by 6% this year. The number of jobs has fallen 32%, and the unemployment rate has nearly doubled to 30%. Well, one major reason for this, restrictions in freedom of movement. After the October 7th attacks, Israel revoked work permits for 130,000 Palestinians in the West Bank, eliminating a crucial source of income for the territory's 3 million inhabitants. But, as our guest will soon explain, hardship and violence have been a feature of economic life in the Palestinian territories long before the latest conflict. Her name is Amal Daragme Masri. She is the CEO and editor-in-chief of Middle East Business News and of Ugarit Group, based in Ramallah in the West Bank. Thank you very much for joining us on People and Profit. Thank you for having me. Um, can you give us a sense of uh, how hard it is to run a business in the West Bank today, especially as it relates to transporting uh, people or merchandise from, from one point to another? Indeed, yes. Harsh is uh, the proper word to describe the economic sphere in uh, that Palestinian territories in general, and in particular the West Bank and Jerusalem. Uh, one of the main obstacles that we're facing, not since October 7th, but since 75 years of Israeli occupation of Palestine, it's been number one rule, is divide and rule in, uh, in, in the Palestinian territories, means that uh, we have, uh, our territories have been uh, divided into small cities and areas with over, at some point, 700 checkpoints inside a very small territory such as the, the West Bank. It's not more than 5,800 kilometers square. So it's really small territory compared to the number of checkpoints that is imposed in, in, the, in the area. So restrictions of movement is a great deal for us. In addition to the fact that the economy is down of at least 50% to 60% since, uh, in particular, October 7th, as well as the loss of jobs of, of tens of thousands of Palestinians who used to, to work uh, inside uh, the, uh, Israel. And can you give us a sense of, uh, you mentioned that these checkpoints, these uh, conditions existed before October 7th and the latest flare-up in violence. Uh, but are things, how much worse are things now then? It's much worse in the sense of, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the world is looking at what's happening in Gaza, already doing nothing of, uh, you know, to stop the genocide happening in Gaza. So the, the, the Israeli authorities are taking advantage of the absence of, you know, a foreign eye having a look of what's happening. 
that the settlers, the terrorist settlers who live inside the West Bank for of over 140 illegal settlements are stealing the land, the water, everything they can put their hands on is uh, is another another a hardship for us. So it makes it very dangerous to move from a place to another. You lose more and more of your lands. I myself, I come from a village nearby between Ramallah and Nablus, and you know, I can't go there whenever I want. They closed uh, all the entrances of, or let's say most of the entrances of cities and, and villages in order to restrict the movement of people unless they open the gate. It's really like a, a big um, prison really this is what it looks like now more and more in the west bank so now we with the settlers who are unleashed everywhere they are fully armed uh, making our life like hell this is what they want uh, hoping that the, we will leave uh, our lands because we are threatened all time long and we don't feel safe our businesses being you know um at the minimum uh, minimum possible walking so it's uh, we need to be really survival and to love so much Palestine that we would want to stay here. You, you put the, the blame of uh, the economic situation in Palestine uh, squarely uh, at Israel's uh, doorsteps, whether it's the checkpoints or whether um, it's the finance minister currently withholding the Palestinian Authority's import uh, tax revenue. Um, Israel is the major determinant here, but do you see a way in which Israel's policies could change in the future? I don't think so, because we have been through this since 75 years, and it's only getting worse and worse. And, uh, with, you know, as you just mentioned, the holding the, money, the Palestinian money, because wh why would Israel collect our customs and, uh, you know, taxes? Because we don't have any borders, we don't have airports, we don't have uh, ports, uh, nothing. I mean, we have to go through... Uh, Israeli borders each time, and th that's where people pay the taxes for their goods coming in into the West Bank. So they they hijack our money, they ha they steal our land, and then they say, okay, you should do better. They steal our water and they resell it for us. I mean, it's they, uh, at least we lose per year the potential of nine billion dollar because of the occupation. And Israel profits at least $40 billion because they are occupation, occupying our lands. So it's, uh, it's, it's not easy, but, uh, you know, the private sector is still yet surviving so far. Amal Daragme Masri, uh, you are the CEO of um, Middle, East, uh, uh, Middle East Business News and of the Ugari Group based in Ramallah in the West Bank. Thanks for uh, talking to us on People and Profit. Thank you. Well, inflation persists in Turkey in spite of an aggressive rate hike policy since May 2023. In January, inflation grew close to 65% compared to the previous year. This is an unusually high consumer price increase, partly because of political decisions made by President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. To get a better understanding of the situation in uh, Turkey, France24's uh, Yuka Roy joins us now. Hi, Yuka. Hi, Charles. Um, give us a sense of the trajectory of consumer prices in Turkey over the past few years. Well, inflation has long been stuck well above Turkey's official target of 5%. And since 2017, it's been in two-digit figures most of the time. Now, the COVID crisis hit Turkey's tourism and hospitality sector hard, but the economy rebounded strongly. 
thanks in part to government stimulus, um, as well as the central bank's measures to make it easier to borrow money. But that, coupled with a weaker currency, has pushed up the cost of living. Price growth picked up pace sharply in 2022, peaking at over 85% in October of that year. The cost of everything from food to drinks to housing has been rising 5-7% to every month, with annualised inflation still at close to 65%. Well, most experts agree uh, that Erdogan's unorthodox views on the topic of inflation uh, actually made things worse. Well, President Erdogan long held the view that lower interest rates uh, would lower inflation and spur more investment, create more jobs and increase exports, going against uh, the conventional economic wisdom. He called interest rates the mother of all evil and his biggest enemy and put pressure on, central, on the central bank to keep them low. Now, Turkey has had six central bank governors since 2019. In the meantime, uh, the Turkish lira has been in crisis. It's lost uh, almost 80 percent of its value against the U.S. dollar since then. And he changed tack in June 2023. How has that been going? Well, after he was re-elected for a third term, uh, Erdogan toned down his stance, uh, appointing a team of market-friendly financial officials and giving them more control over economic decisions. Under Hafize Gai Erkan, who recently resigned as governor, a Turkey's central bank has sharply raised its key interest rates from 8.5% a year ago to 45%. But this monetary policy U-turn has yet to bear uh, fruit. Meanwhile, sharp increases in the minimum wage to help uh, fight the cost of living crisis have actually fueled inflation. Yukaroye, thank you. Well, to Germany now, where the rise of the far-right AFD party is a source of concern for political and economic life. Businesses there are worried of the vision the party has for the national economy, one that opposes free markets and immigration. Our correspondents Anne Maillet and Nick Spicer sent us this report. This small company in eastern Germany couldn't work without them, both on the shop floor and in the warehouses. Some 30 foreigners recruited in recent years to address the shortage of qualified labor. I started with a five-day internship and loved it, so I immediately committed to staying. The government has eased rules on immigration to facilitate foreign recruitment, but this region faces a problem that could make finding workers difficult again the rise of the far right. In Brandenburg, the AFD is credited with nearly 30% of voting intentions ahead of the September regional elections. It's a nightmare for employers. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried. It's crucial for companies to take a stand and say that the far right has no place in Germany. It's equally important that we participate in the demonstrations to defend ourselves against their agenda. For three weeks, millions of Germans have taken part in massive protests against the far right. And companies are finding their own ways to be heard. This supermarket chain emptied a store's shelves of foreign products to demonstrate the perils of xenophobia. The bosses of big companies are worried about the country's reputation and its entire economic model. The far right AFD wants to abandon the euro and leave the European Union even though Germany is among the members that has benefited the most from free trade. The AFD wants to close borders not only to migrants, but also to goods, services and foreign capital. This will destroy the German economic model. 
Half of our economic performance relies on exports, and 60% of these exports goes to Europe. But this model would no longer be possible with the far right. According to a study, leaving the euro as the AFD would like could destroy some 2 million jobs in Germany. That's all for this week. If you want more, you can always watch our previous episodes on France24.com. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on social media. In the meantime, thanks for watching and stay tuned.